Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. The 5 O'Clock Frenzy is presented by Nova Home Loans. Call 577-2600 for help in buying a new home. 5 O'Clock Hours here. Damon is back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Battleborn Broadcast Center is where um, me, Cofield, and Justin Watkins, who's helping out host the show today, are uh, doing things right now. I'm excited about this hour. We got a lot of good stuff to get into, including following up a couple angles we started earlier in the week. So, Damon, do you just want to open this hour by saying, man, Cofield, you called it. You called it on the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, this all started at the beginning of the week, Justin, because um, old guy columnist Connor Curmudgeon, and he's been that way for 40 years. He built his brand as like a 38-year-old. A guy named Phil Mushnick in the New York Post just went off on Lizzo because she got pulled off the Super Bowl, you know, potential halftime performer list. Um, she's involved in some suits right now of like workplace misconduct. That's why she got pulled. But he turned it into hip hop is gross. Uh, she's you know morbidly obese, and her language is disgusting, right? So when we were talking about Lizzo, we started mentioning we don't have a halftime show lineup yet, and it seems like kind of late in the game. So Damon, I suggested. Who and what? Do you remember who my top choice was based on my sources? You were mentioning, well, first it was Britney Spears, so I'm not going to let you get away with that one. But yep. then you suggested a boy band lineup. Well, even before the boy band lineup, I said the other person I've heard about is Harry Styles. Oh, yeah, Harry Styles. Yeah, and, you were big on Harry Styles. You, you from came the back SO. with, hey, let, let's do it, right? Then we can have a One Direction reunion. Um, so then uh, a Fox Sports personality said the next day they are considering a boy band lineup. And it was, you know, kind of the classic, guy, you know, guys like uh, NSYNC and Boys to Men. That's a debate. We don't want to do that. Um, but Backstreet Boys, I think it was Color Me Bad. 98 Degrees, right? Nick Lachey. Um, and then he also mentioned, he said, uh, there's an offer out to Harry Styles. Oh, look at this. Oh, look what happened here. So that was on Tuesday. I had mentioned Styles on Monday. And the follow-up today is another group that we mentioned that they may have reached out now to... New kids on the block. This is all your era. Oh, I can't believe God. you're not dancing right now as I go through the lineup. You should no, love this show. No, I mean my you era. Should, you should I, love this show. I was more. I was more grunge. You know, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana, that you know, Allison Chains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that was that a really smashing a really, pumpkins? Was that a really raw Eddie Vedder? Yeah, you know, all those groups back then, that's what they sounded like. They all sounded like yeah, that. Yeah. I, I was balanced. I like those guys. I like yeah. to be kind of melancholy and angry. Yeah. But I, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying it's the best uh, generation yeah. of music. I'm just I saying like that's, what I, that's what I listen to. And, and every once in a while, I'll turn on lithium in the... In the it, that is a good station on, on satellite. Yeah. Um, all right, so the report today, like I said, is New Kids on the Block added to a potential boy band halftime show for the Super Bowl. But as of right now, the front runner to get the nod is Damon. Harry Styles. It'd be a, I think it'd be a big get if they got him. Okay, I I do. I mean, I I'm I'm not I, I'm not the biggest fan, but like he is, he's pretty he's very freaking good. big right now, and he's in his he's in his ascension still. And lately, they've I, been getting people on the downside. I will say, okay, the L.A. hip hop revival, we'll say, yeah, was friggin' awesome. It was terrible. It was what? It was terrible. I mean, Fifty Cent. It was, the it was terrible, you know, man. 50, it was terrible. Fifty Cent was kind of built like Tua. Um, <laughs> there were some issues there. What do you mean it was terrible? It was, it great. was terrible. No, it oh, was not great. 
I mean, I like all that music, but I don't need to see 50-year-olds up there like trying to dance and lip sync to it. That's all it was. Kendrick Lamar did it too. He was he's young. Yeah, but <laughs> it was just a lip sync concert. It's just a bunch of old guys and old gals too. Eminem's there. like five years younger than all those guys. The younger no. It's no. I didn't I, it I did great. not enjoy it. I mean, I'm by, though I have to say it, I think the best one was Lady Gaga and nothing else has gotten close. Okay. Um let me say right now. Devon, who is who is the uh, it's not a service. Who is consulting on the halftime show? Is it Jay-Z and his company? Yeah, Jay-Z and Rock Nation. Okay. I can see an angle here though where when they put together a list and and part of this is hey, we're talking about it. Right. So that's yeah. a good thing. Now yep. they haven't really leaked much. This is a guy in, I, I don't know if he's in New York or LA now. He's a former New York radio guy. But when I hear selections like Harry Styles and Lizzo on the list, I think to myself, they're, they're looking to do something here. Yeah. Which is create some controversy. And after every, after every halftime show, it is discussed heavily because there is a, it, it just, it doesn't even matter. There's someone in the audience who doesn't like the genre. Sure, of course. And with Lizzo, a healthy woman wearing thongs and her dancers wearing thongs. I don't know if you've ever seen Lizzo perform. Go home and watch tonight. No, I it have. is friggin' wild. It's and not- imagine how that would go over with much of the country. Go watch Harry Styles. There are times he's he's in dresses. Yeah. I know. And I just I like I can already see I want to see him and I kind of want to see him now because of that. There people are going to go freaking nuts it'll be entertaining but i guess that is part of this like hey we're not mm. going safe we want eyes and we don't mind people being a little annoyed afterwards and talking about it because a lot of the audience will be really happy yeah i don't know i think there's a difference between um being controversial or being topical and not everybody liking the topic than being sort of offensive um you know i think i think lizzo depending on what she decided to do um you know, I like Lizzo. I like her music. You know, if they did Megan Thee Stallion, you know, I like her music. But you watch her performances, and it's not something I would take my kids to. It's not something I'd want. I want to promote my daughters to behave like. Right. And so, I Meg, mean, I'll tell you what, Megan, Megan Thee Stallion. I've yeah. actually watched some of her stuff up on YouTube. I don't think she's super good live. It doesn't sound good. Well, probably I, yeah. who, who knows? But and I guess it case, probably wouldn't matter because it's all most of the Super all, Bowl shows are lip synced anyway. Lip synced. Which, and, by the way, if they do a boy band reunion, absolutely no way are they can lip- they lip sync it. <laughs> I want to hear their voices. They're so dreamy. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to say, if it's any of the ones we we've named, I'm a little disappointed. You know, I want some. I want some Vegas. I, I, I we want, talked about that. Too I want the yesterday. Killers or Imagine Dragons or we have a lot of music. That, as you our just history. named two. Keep going. What's that? You just named two. I mean, we have old crooners. I mean, I, I if Panic that was an at the disco. It, um, it, it stops. I, you're gonna run out because I've done yeah, this. You well, just, we don't need to do six of them. Um, it's it's one of the biggest shows all year worldwide. Yeah, it's got to be gigantic. Then I like the Killers. You put, the Killers can be in a show opening for someone, like opening for f- four more people after them. <laughs> yeah i don't know they're good imagine I mean, dragons they're good yeah this is just it's too big yeah but they don't always i mean they don't always have six or seven different acts anymore i mean they've done a couple of last those, year was mostly rihanna did anyone yeah. else come out with rihanna who who led into her anybody i don't I remember anybody she did it by herself okay and i, I think maybe, she's, that, maybe that's part of it too where they're like you know what we're gonna have a bunch of people who do like two songs and the headliner can do four let's mix it up 
Yeah, I mean, didn't the weekend do it one time? Yeah, he he was, was awful. Everyone hated that. Yeah, it was terrible. That was a COVID year. Yeah, and he's so he's so good. I've you know I've I've I haven't been to a concert, but I've seen and he's a he, unbelievable actor. Puts out great TV shows. Oh my god, uh, you're not gonna stop me. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that that one that one didn't work out. So, um, so from that topic into one that it's along the same lines. We're very protective on the show, and I'm glad we have Demond on the show because he's now the youngest guy on the show, and and I can feel him kind of. He bows up on conversations like this, but I also believe, and the, the conversation is, um, we were very much protective on Cofield and company of these days of sports. And I don't like to hear older athletes criticize it or say it's easier today or back in my day. And they're back in my day is my day. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably one of the rare, you know, 50 somethings who goes, stop. Okay. I was around back then. I watched sports. I was doing sport talk. You're fibbing. Okay. Things are better in many ways now. But I will admit, sometimes we go overboard. Um, this is a simple conversation on uh, Dominic Foxworth's podcast where Kurt Warner is just kind of talking about some of the nuances and differences um, with football today and playing the quarterback position. Damon, can you start out with, uh, well, let's just go with Warner 2 here. Um, so this is Kurt Warner, Dominic Foxworth, as they're talking about quarterback play and defenses. We were a team that attacked down the field. Yeah. You know, when you watch the game now, so much of the game is played within five yards of the line of scrimmage. You know, it's great, and it puts up yards, and it you know makes the completion percentage of these guys skyrocket. But I'm not sure I would have would have had as much fun throwing bubble screens and now routes, right. you know, 15 times a game as opposed to dropping back and challenging myself by making those throws down the field, which is what we were so good at. And so I think it would be scary because we had unbelievable talent. <sighs> We had great timing. Um, you know, you couple my accuracy with the ability of guys to run after catch. Okay. Damon, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, I love the fact that he's saying that he wouldn't have to challenge himself. I love the fact that someone could say, yeah. the game wouldn't be hard enough for me. That's the best part. Where it's just like these yep. bubble screens, but it's just, I need to challenge myself. Uh, I, there's a guy triple covered. I got this. I mean, yeah, that's what stood out to me, too, is like, you know, we threw deep because we we were more about challenging ourselves than, you know, winning games. It was about my own personal challenge. That's, it's a weird take to have on it. And then I also thought it was fun, funny that he's like, oh, I could could stand doing all these bubble screens. Like they did a lot of I mean, they the greatest show on turf had a ton of swing passes out to the. Marshall, Marshall Falk was one, you know, I mean, one of the initial. I mean, we can go back to the '80s with the Niners, yes, uh, throwing out of the backfield. But that was a gigantic. Like everyone was blown away. Marshall Falk, fourteen hundred yards rushing, seven fifty. You know, receiving. You didn't. You didn't throw short passes to Marshall Falk. Was he? He was running friggin' go routes and wheel routes twenty yards down the field. Right. No. And and to imply that those deep passes are not being thrown today. Of course, they're being thrown today. I mean, yeah. not having fun thing is stupid because. You had, Kurt Warner would actually excel because of all the short stuff. It draws in the defense yes, at times, and exactly. then over the top, there isn't double coverage a lot of times because they got a freaking short pass and run protect. And, I just and, when guys start it, I'm like, can you just enjoy the game today? And and Kurt, and again, I'm overreacting. Kurt Warner wasn't annihilating today's game. Yeah, but there's something off putting when I hear stuff like this. Well, and and the implication that like just just let those kids have fun with the game that they have, right? I mean. I would argue the NFL is more fun today than it was in his day. I mean, 
they've they've loosened up a little bit on the rules we get more insight into the personalities you know we have more access it looks like they're having more fun to me um and guess what people's careers are ending prematurely as often with crazy head injuries and stuff you can play guys longer are, guys are bigger oh you're saying it's better now it's, it's better, better now so, yeah so you're not a Trey Aikman done at 33 yeah, years old. exactly okay. uh give me one more Warner what we did at that era even at a different time kind of ushered in this idea that you can throw first and still win you can be successful through efficiency throwing the football and so you know so it's kind of nice to know that we were kind of that team that spearheaded what we're seeing now in terms of how people how people play football okay uh I would say it was the Chargers, Eric Coriel, in, in a large way. It was some, actually going back to the 60s, some AFL play. And then I would say the biggest factor was Bill Walsh and his tree, where where there's a lot of throwing in the West Coast offense. A lot of it's short. But the Rams did do something special. They were elite offensively. But, you know, the other topic to get into, let's just talk in general. You get quarterbacks like Dan Marino or Phil Simms or Kurt Warner in this case, who who seem to suggest – it's easier these days to play quarterback. Is it with all of the other stuff that goes into playing quarterback now? Well, first off, I want to say, like, I, I, I'm going to defend Warner just a little bit. I don't – the Air Coriel Chargers, they didn't win it, right? right. And he, and his point was that you could win it by doing this. But I agree. Yeah, it's, it's all point. it's it's all yeah, Bill Walsh. If you didn't win, that you'd get bad mouth. And it was like, you know, because there was a long time that you got to run the ball. Yeah. Didn't work with those guys. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'll, I'll I'll sort of defend him there, but I mean everything's off the the Walsh tree that we're everything about the game now, you know. But in that similar vein, I think the quarterback position. This is my personal take. I think the quarterback position really changed in in, in the dynamics uh, and and the intellectual aspect of things with Peyton Manning and what he was able to do to defenses, and then what defenses had to do to catch up to that all of those major changes in the schemes that happened as a result of, you know, Peyton Manning and quarterbacks in his era that were doing some of the similar things. And after changed the complexity of the game intellectually that I don't think just being able to drop in a pass that at 65 yards, does it anymore? You, you, you have to be able to, to have a little bit more intellectual aspects to your game than you did in the, in the eighties. I, I, that's just my I personal know. take, I know what you're getting at. you know, and, and I think the that's just the football part of it. The other part of it is it's a full-time job to be at the starting quarterback of an NFL team on and off the field. Yeah. Everybody's looking at you. Everybody's turning to you to be the face of the franchise. It's, uh, we're not the 80s anymore. No. So there is no partying in season. There is no, you know, snorting rails in the off season. Like you, you are on call all the time. I'm not saying guys don't party and are out of control some of them, you know, today, sure. but it really, it's so much more of a profession. Now that said, just like baseball uh, and just like the NBA, the greats would probably be great to this era, but it would be a different test. And I also, I don't think, and I, I always bring up this example with, um, you know, say MJ to Jordan, but even going back to the eighties, there's pressure on all these superstars, but the pressure now and the noise around you with social media and so much more media and talking head media, we see guys get upset all the time now. Well, like, I don't know. I don't know if Phil Sim and I, I always bring up Phil Sims. He was not a great quarterback, but yeah. Phil Sims is one of these guys who he bristles at the game now. And I, I look at Phil Sims and his, you know, I always say it was his 14 on the freaking Wonderlick and like 50, 52% completion percentage. And I'm like, I, I don't know, bro. I, I don't know if you could play in this era. I also don't know if you could handle the pressure 
of this era and people could fire back and be like, Oh, New York, New Jersey. Like, you know how much and more intense it is now? Yeah. It's great. Phil Sims almost got into a fight at, at some, I forget. I think it was a, a live broadcast where he, who was he trying to beat up? Maybe it was Desmond Howard. Cause Desmond Howard had criticized his son, Matt Sims. Like, bro, you can't even keep it together because your son was getting criticized in this era. Imagine what you would do now. I mean, it is vicious now. Well, yeah, I mean, I think like Sims, I mean, I think of like McMahon, I think of like Terry Bradshaw, these 50 something percent completion percentage quarterbacks, um, you know, I don't know that their game translates to what the game is now. Now, I also don't know that some of the quarterbacks today, if their game would translate back into the 60s and 70s. A maybe a physical game where you could get, you know, freaking body slammed all the time. You had to have a bigger body, you yeah. know, like Tua probably doesn't make it back then because, and he may not make it now, frankly, in the game. Uh, it was much more physical and clothes lines and all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff, you know, like what, what the players were able to get away with, you know, after the whistle and and during in between the whistles uh is, is a whole different ball game you know i but i think the other when you're talking about the added pressure what i think about is like the stuff that they probably didn't even have to think about like the amount of money that these guys make now does bring a whole nother host of problems they're targets for women they are targets for distant family members they are targets for ski you know get rich quick schemes and investor schemes that I don't know that that was as prevalent back in the eighties and nineties when they weren't so, um, so rich and, and so quickly, you know, these big signing bonuses and, and making money so quickly and, and so young. Um, so I, I think it's just, it's a, it's a whole different position. I'm talking specifically about quarterback, but you could apply it to other positions, but we're talking about quarterbacks right now. And I think there's just, year around 24 7 pressure on these guys three six four eleven hundred let's do a giveaway september 2nd saturday show eight o'clock start it's at mgm grand garden arena axs.com it's ll cool j the roots dj jazzy jeff salt and peppa and more iced tea as well three six four eleven hundred caller seven you get to go to the show if you don't win the tickets for the show you can grab them at axs.com three six four eleven hundred Battle more nice enough to host the show today on a Wednesday. Justin Watkins helping out with some uh, co-hosting duties. We're going to uh, go out to L.A. in a little bit and talk to one of our new uh, somewhat regulars, Jill Painter Lopez with the uh, Sporting Tribune family. Get some updates on the Dodgers and USC and another legal issue with Reggie Bush now on a defamation case, which I find completely fascinating. All right. So John Fisher spoke to the RJ. Mick Akers did the interview. We know Mick has kind of been the, the link between the A's and the community. Um yeah, John Fisher not being available during the negotiations, the pitch, I think it was a really bad look. I don't know if he answered much in this thing. What was the biggest impression you got out of what John Fisher was saying? He's the owner of the A's. He really hasn't spoken a whole lot. And uh, the, the fans in Oakland do not trust him. They do not like him. I didn't feel like it was honest. I mean, the, the he he's clearly smart and articulate because he – he definitely said a lot of words that appeared to be somewhat responsive, but he never really answered the questions head on. I, I I don't believe he did. And like, and, and when he actually did, I believed he was lying. Like I, you, you can't tell me that there wasn't any sort of concerted effort to make Oakland unviable when you just decided you want to move to, mm -hmm. to Vegas. Like, Come on. You cannot say like we didn't we tried to put out the best field, team on the field. Like we're trying to no, win though. No, you no. weren't. Like it's not believable. Uh, 
the worst part for me is, uh, well, there's a lot of worst parts of this. Uh, they, they moved on three guys they could have built the franchise around, but they had to spend money on them, yep. you know, and Matt Olson and, and Chapman, um, and their catcher as well, who they moved on from. And they have, they have prospect catchers. They got, they got those guys, some of the guys back in deals, but, uh, yeah, I was disappointed. And he doesn't want to overpromise. The question was asked like, Hey, once you get here, you're talking about being able to compete. That's why you needed the $380 million. Like what will change? Um, Nothing. Will, will your payroll <laughs> limitations go bye-bye? And he basically pitched what I thought was like the Reds and the Orioles plan, which is kind of working out now, but that could be years of just misery and Hey, everyone buy into it. Like that's not, I, we've said it a million times. He, this market will not accept the little engine that could build. We've had the hockey team here and they operate like they're the friggin' Lakers or I, I don't know who, you know, the, the Rams of a couple of years ago, like they go get free agents. Mm -hmm. Th that, that opposite plan of a long build is not going to work. And the other thing is I'm not sure that I trust Billy Bean anymore with what he did in the deals I just mentioned. He didn't get a whole lot back. And I, I could go on for Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you, and, and, and well, the problem is Billy Bean may be just as smart as he always was, but everybody knows that they have to get yep. rid of these guys. Yep. So they lost any bargaining power. There's not, we know you're not going to keep them. So what are you going to do? This is the best deal you're going to find on the market. Right. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I hated his answer to, okay, so is the payroll going to go up? And he's basically like, well, that's why we're getting a stadium. Okay. But then he says, but we're the investors in the stadium. My family is putting $1 billion into the stadium and that's not going to dictate what the, the I, I'm regurgitating what he's saying with, with what I believe the right. actual answer to be what we're going to put in that. That's not what we're going to put in the payroll payrolls determined by ticket sales, concessions and hat sales and, yeah. and whatever else. It's on you. Yeah. He's already telling the fans yep. and the community it's on you. What we but, but, on but, he, but he didn't say, and we're, we're, we, we will spend to break even. He didn't say that he didn't make any commitment was. whatsoever to say, you know what? Every dollar that you, this local team, this, this local community spends on this team, we are willing to spend that on improving yep. the team. And what I hate about it, what I hate about his whole thing is his whole, his whole vibe, his whole response was, this is my team. I'll determine the community and the community will have to invest in the team for the team to be successful rather than the other way around. That's not what Bill Foley did. Bill Foley's like, I'm going to make this your team and I'm going to do everything I can to make it successful for you so that you guys buy into me, not the other way around. And this was so backwards. Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Well, just so you know, Devon, we got a serious situation going on here right now. We're in Justin Watkins' building at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, but Justin doesn't have full control of the thermostat in every room. And the studio here is my dream studio. It is an icebox. And, nope. and he has been complaining about it freezing because the fellow who has the office uh, next to us, next to the studio, he controls the thermostat. And he like, I don't know if he's a big fella, but big fellas like it cool. No, he's just never here. So it's what okay. you said it at forever ago. He's just read, he's, he's an attorney 
friend of ours who rented out the okay. office and he's never he's never here 65.8 degrees it's, is fine it's crazy that's a great that's great my toes are freezing okay, i'm okay. freezing i'm put, like I, I feel like a little kid i'm putting my arms in my sleeves and like try to warm up it's crazy i'm, I'm freezing uh we were just getting really worked up about the future you know a's relocation here it's gonna happen the owner is john fisher he's a quirky guy uh jill pander lopez is working with the uh sporting tribune and uh Lots of other places we'll tell you about because she's got some good combos up online right now. And, and Jill, how you doing? I think she is there. Jill. Oh, no, we're not hearing her. Come on. Oh, boy, we'll try to reconnect. Um, but what, what I was going to bring up with Jill and, uh, you know, she's big covering the Dodgers. Can you imagine being a Dodger fan during the era of Frank McCourt who had no money? Oh, and, the when, and the money he did have, he just took out of the team. As we found out so much, uh, you know, mis- whatever, misappropriation of the money. Can you imagine being a Dodgers fan and what they have now where they're like, money's no object and rooting for a team like that? Uh, I mean, I, unfortunately, I think we're going to see it. <laughs> I think we're going to see it in Las Vegas with the A's. You know, we're going to have it. I mean, not to that scale because L.A.'s market's a whole different market, a whole different beast, and the revenues they generate is a whole, a whole other level. But we think like a big market. We're very yeah. spoiled here. For sure. We do not go down to the strip. We do not root for teams, for teams that, that don't, win. don't win. Yeah, and I think, I think that. I hope I'm wrong, I but I think wrong, that the the A's are going to come A's here. They're going to take revenue. Uh, they're not going to put it in, and I don't think that I don't think the public's going to support that. You know, the, if they come in here and say, "Hey, we're on this seven or eight year plan," which is what the interview sort of indicated. Is like, hey, we got a lot of young guys. We want to try to start developing the young guys and keep them going. It would be great if we won a World Series in six years, like the Golden Knights won a, a Stanley Cup. He, he's not selling winning, right? He's he's. I don't know what already. He's, yeah. I mean, he's just basically selling. We're putting a stadium down there. Well, we're doing for you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's try to bring in Jill again. Jill, how are you? Hello. I'm here. There you go. Okay, you can you can hear us clearly now. We're good. I gotcha. Okay, good deal. So we were just talking about John Fisher, and we're already very uneasy about this A's owner who may be moving his team here. We put together this whole stadium thing and public contribution, and I was uh, I wanted to kind of lead in talking about the Dodgers and just how weird it was when you got a guy who's got uh, his number one goal is not winning at baseball, like a guy like Frank McCourt. Oh, when you said Frank McCourt, I I started getting flashbacks and and the sweats and. <laughs> Uh, it was uh, obviously a bad time from the moment he bought the team. He was over his skis and didn't have the financing. And and uh, and yet still to this day, uh, he now is making about, I think about 50% of the parking revenue. It's probably oh, wow. a, a equivalent to about 15 million a season or something something of, the, of that nature. So uh, yeah, I, if, if there's questions and red flags going into it, I'm, I'm sure they're gonna still remain there. So, uh, you know, this, Dodgers franchise has recovered nicely with, you know, Mark Walter and the Magic Johnson group, uh, and it's been the best thing for them. So you got to have good people who are interested in, in winning. And you look at the guy, if you're talking about Southern California, uh, uh, Artie Moreno, just down the road uh, oh. in Anaheim, it's the same deal there as well. It just doesn't seem like he's that interested in, in, in winning either. So, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly, uh, I don't know how that's all going to pan out, but I, I like the idea of baseball in, in Vegas. I know that. How have the Dodgers gone 17 and three? What's worked so well in August going 17 and three? 
pitching and Mookie and Freddie. <laughs> it's yeah. a recipe for, for great success. Uh, Mookie is batting over 400 in August. He's, I see he's, uh, you know, in the game right now in, in Cleveland, he's two for two. He's played, I mean, those, those two guys are, are both MVP candidates uh, just from their own team. Uh, defensively, you know, Mookie's played uh, right field and second base and shortstop based on need and his offensive numbers uh, have not waned when he's been doing that. Uh, and then Freddie is just as consistent uh, as they come. But, uh, you know, just just those two leaders at the top. And then their pitching, their starting rotation has finally come around. Uh, Lance Lynn has been a great uh, addition. Uh, he was terrible in Chicago, and now he's 3-0 and with like a 1-4-4 ERA. Uh, you know, change of scenery obviously sometimes is very good. Kershaw's back. Uh, you got Julio Rios pitching well, and then the rookie Bobby Miller. So uh, when you got pitching and, and defense and some superstars in that lineup, it all adds up to 17-3. and three. What is Miller like? Because uh, it's always interesting. The, you know, the Dodgers had a lot of young pitchers come up, and he's the one that mm -hmm. hit so far. You know, Gavin Stone and, and some others uh, didn't hit. Uh, Grove didn't hit to this point. What, what's Miller like in terms of makeup or when you guys get to talk to him? Uh, he's he's a fun kid and he's a hard worker uh, and I think with him too I mean uh, being a first round uh, draft pick last year he's just got that makeup uh, you know where he's he's compared to a lot of the greats and he seems like he doesn't have it doesn't take on that added uh, pressure you know we've seen some good stuff from Emmett Sheehan too and you know some ups and some downs and, and believe me Bobby Miller uh, you know came up and his first few starts was aces and then he struggled a little bit as well. So, um, but he just seems to have that makeup of all those superstar pitchers that have come through her from Clayton to Fernando and oral. And he just, he just has that aura, uh, you know, but when you talk to him, he seems a down to earth as well. So, um, but, but look, he is one of the, if you, if you think you have to have obviously three, but probably four starters in the postseason, And, and uh, as of right now, he's lined up to be one of them. Hey, Jill, it's Justin. Hey, I'm wondering, is there is there something some imperfections on the team that they're sort of able to cover up on this last twenty game streak that you think is there's a potential to catch up to them? I mean, if they falter, what will it be that that comes to light? Well, maybe the bullpen, and I I hesitate to say that because they have struggled at times this year, but uh, then you also look at what they've been able to do in August, and they've held it down. And I think uh, you know Evan Phillips at the at the back of that. Uh, the back end there has just done such a great job for them. I think he's got about 18 saves. Uh, so he has been the guy in the back. They've had some, you know, inconsistent relievers there. Uh, so if you want to nitpick, yeah, but they're having a, having a really good August. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's the starting pitching and, and uh, uh, you know, that is uh, certainly tougher for people to, uh, to get through. And let's remember, uh, you know, in July they had a tough month and, you know, nobody would have said, Hey, these guys are going to be contending for the world series. And that's baseball. It, 30 days makes makes a big difference. It just seems like everything's kind of falling in line, and they're just absolutely running away with the uh, the NL West right now. We're getting our LA fix or Southern California info from another great personality at the Sporting Tribune, Jill Painter Lopez. Also does work with uh, Sports Central LA. I want to get to your uh, young surfer piece before we get out of here. But uh, one more <laughs> thing on baseball. Uh, Mike sure. Trout is back. I think it, it might be a little too late for the Angels. They just went into a bad swoon. So looking back on it now, did they make a mistake by not moving Shohei Otani? We've got Angel fans on the show, and they think this this effort to bring people in and compete is going to convince Shohei that the organization cares, and you got to stay here. 
I mean, I was one of the people that said I can see both ways. Like I get how you didn't want to be, you know, Perry Manassian training or sorry, trading Shohei Otani. But at the same time, I was looking at the future and no matter what moves they made, uh, you know, getting a, a Gritchick and a, a couple of other guys. And you can say how much whether you like those moves or not and that they were going all in, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, that's all fine and well, but look at the end result. And I get it. Mike Trout's, you know, was out of the lineup uh, for, for a bulk of, of the important part of the season as well. I was of the mind, like, hey, you, you've got to get what you can for this guy. If he really comes back to the Angels, he can go somewhere else, you know, go help a team, uh, you know, make a run in the postseason. And if he really loves uh, Anaheim and the Angels that much, they could sign him in the offseason. Uh, I just, I, the, the Angels haven't been to the postseason since 2014. I, I used to be a reporter uh, doing Angel games. I, I, I like the organization just as mu much as I like the Dodgers. Uh, you know, you want to see the teams in, in Southern California. If you live here, you want to see them do well. I want to see Shohei and Trout in the postseason, but it hasn't happened in nine years. And so if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. They did not make the kind of moves at the deadline that we're going to make this a World Series contending team. Maybe they get in the playoffs, but but they still didn't. So I, I just I shudder at the thought that that he's I think he's going to want to go play for a team that can contend for the postseason. And they're left with nothing for him. That, that, yeah, I mean, you could have got so many great assets for your future, uh, and they didn't. Yep, devastating just to make a potential, you know, fifty-five game run and then fall short at that. Um, let's talk right. a little college football. USC coming up here against San Jose State. Uh, this is a really weird year, and I could feel the vibe at the Pac-12 Media Day for football that was here in Vegas, where USC has a lot to accomplish in this final year in the Pac-12. They're moving on to the Big Ten, but again, it's the final year, so the vibes are are weird. How do you feel about this whole thing of these two schools, USC and UCLA, going to the Big Ten? I guess I'm more of a realist, and everything is always about the money, and it's about the money. So if you just think of it that way, pretty much anything usually comes comes down to money, right? Uh, I mean, you're talking $50 million to go to the Big Ten. Of course, they're going to do it. But I love the football coaches like Chip Kelly uh, say, hey, look, we realize this is not about the student athletes. You know, football, of course – traveling once every other week it's not that big of a deal it's gonna it's gonna hurt the the other sports but I, I mean I do like it in terms of competition uh the Pac-12 was you know getting watered down a little bit I'm gonna miss the tradition I you know I, I just Washington Washington State Oregon Oregon State I see UCLA every year uh you know Colorado and Utah of course leaving as well but but for those people that were in 12 uh it's just uh it's 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 tough to see i mean it, the conference is got basically got trampled and it's because they didn't get a tv deal and that that's where it's at and uh it's sad to lose the tradition but again the reality is the move was made for money and and uh you know let's see how they compete and you know a lot of people a lot more eyeballs are going to be on these teams now because you know, there used to be the Pac-12 after dark at, at 8 p.m. locally. Nobody on the East Coast was watching those games. So uh, it, it's got its, its good and bad points for sure. Yeah, and I'm a Pac-12 guy, and I'm going to be sad to see it all go. I'm an Oregon State alumni, so we're one of the ones left left behind right now. I'm trying to mm -hmm. figure out a home. And, and I'm curious, um, have you heard any sort of uh, rumblings from student athletes at UCLA or USC in the non-revenue generating sports who – are upset by this. I, I mean, I just think of, you know, family members. If you, if you 
born and raised in Southern California, you decide to go to UCLA because it's close to home and your parents are going to be able to watch you and even travel with you because it's regional in the conference. Now that maybe that's not an option is, are there any student athletes in, in those two schools sort of voicing those opinions? You know, I haven't heard about it too much yet. And I think probably because we still have this uh, final year of the Pac-12 and maybe that's why it hasn't happened. But uh, you certainly hear uh, recruits and you see online talking about this could affect their decisions and and, and rightfully so if, if they want their families to travel to go see them. I mean, certainly, you know, getting in the, in the Big Ten is not going to help matters. So haven't heard a ton of rumblings yet. Uh, but again, probably because it's the final, final season, uh, you know, for the Pac-12. But I'm sure next year when when this travel gets, you know, crazy for those who, you know, for golfers and for basketball and, and for other teams, you might you might start to, you might start hearing it a little bit. So, you, you know what, your, if your families then can maybe can only make the home games and, and, and not travel because that's going to be pretty costly. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out for sure. Yeah, and I think Chip Kelly had an interesting idea about that. You know, maybe he maybe he's seeing around the corner where he's talking about a hey, football has its own thing, and then we get the regional conferences back for all the you know non-football or revenue-generating sports, maybe basketball as well. But while we had you on the line, I, I really wanted to get your perspective on what you think about Reggie Bush uh, suing for defamation uh, against the NCAA, um, <laughs> saying that he was a pay-for-play player. And that's why his, um, you know, suspension will not or not his his records will not be reinstated, um, even though NIL deals are allowed today. I, you know, if I was him, I would just want to be over everything. It's just dragged on for, you know, almost 20 years, this ordeal since he, he played at, at USC. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure how much good is going to come out of it. Uh, but, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, the Heisman or, uh, you know, that he can get that back and, and try and get his name like out of the mud. I mean, it's I think he's just so upset that his name has been dragged through the mud for so long. And if you look at what happened, it, I mean, it just doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And of course, when you look at it through our lens now, the NIL lens and, 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 and you know, but that just wasn't the case back when Reggie Bush was playing. So it was different rules back then. I, I get why he's upset. I do, but I don't know how much the defamation lawsuit's going to change anything. Yeah, I wonder if he's just at the timing might be right with the Johnny Manziel documentary coming out and the things that Johnny Manziel was talking about he got away with and publicly and he still gets his Heisman and and the statements that Reggie Bush is suing on were just 2021, so they're they're recent enough that maybe this could just apply enough pressure that, you know, the NCAA and the Heisman groups just kind of say Oh, okay, you've you've done your your time. So I'm wondering from just a timing perspective if he's trying to catch it just right when public opinion might be on his side. Right. Uh, let's close on this, Jill. Uh, Jill Pander Lopez with us. You did a piece. Uh, I saw the TV video with a surfer. Uh, this kid was he 11 or 12? I mean, I was blown away by actually how mature and poised the dude was. Thank you. I was too. I actually met him before at an event for it was uh, a surfing clinic for kids who were dealing with illnesses, many of them uh, going through cancer and their families to have a fun day at the beach. And many of these families also, you know, didn't have a lot of money either. And so uh, he was working with a couple of groups. One of them was called Waves of Impact. And he volunteers his time. He's obviously such a great surfer as you 
maybe saw some of those uh, highlights of him in the ocean, but um, he is just an old soul. I just, I mean, fell in love with the kid because he was talking to a group of adults and talking about like, you know, the wind and where the waves were gonna be best and 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 just seeing him with the kids. I, he's not 11, he's like 41, I, I swear. But uh, just absolutely loved talking to him. I told him he could be in broadcasting if he wants it as well, but but such a big heart and his he's one of uh, five kids and his family, uh, you know, always is in, in talking to them about giving back, whether it's with his siblings or, you know, out in the ocean, um, you know, with other kids who, you know, could certainly use some smiles. And so uh, he is just going to be an absolute rock star and, and uh, happy I got to meet him. At Jill Painter up on Twitter. That's where you can see that story. A lot of the Sporting uh, Tribune content and uh, a lot more stuff uh, involving uh, Sports Central LA. Excellent spot. We really appreciate your time and hopefully we can do it again. Okay. Hey, thanks guys for having me on. Appreciate it. You take care. There she is. Media vet, uh, JPL. Can I go with that? I don't know if that's official, but uh, that was an excellent spot. I want to do a giveaway here. Duran Duran's coming to town Saturday, the 26th. That's uh, this weekend. T-Mobile, AXS.com, which you can grab the tickets. Two tickets right now for the Fortress. Legendary Duran Duran is in town. Damon will hook you up. 364-1100. Cofield and Company presents... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I will. Uh, we will have a lot more time tomorrow to get into the John Fisher interview with the paper. And I think Adam Candy's in tomorrow. He, I expect him to, it's going to be hammer time. Because there was a lot of weird stuff in this interview. Um, interesting. We hit, we hit the story briefly the other day. And I thought you'd be into it. Because you like fantasy sports. At least you like fantasy football. Um, a radio site, Barrett Sports Media, cover sports radio. Talk to Evan Roberts, who's... Uh, might be like 35 doing radio on WFAN in New York, New York just got sports gambling and he was going on and on about, Hey, everyone I talk to fantasy's dying because now we can bet on the games. Everything's dying. And then they got some Chicago dude, uh, one of the stations there to say the same thing. Sports gambling's relatively new in Illinois. It's even newer in New York. This newness will wear off. Fantasy sports will be fine. I mean, I do think fantasy sports is declining just a little bit. I think, you know, we're past the heyday of when people like me would be in 10 leagues. Now, I'm not in that many leagues. Yeah, I'm in like two leagues. But the, the notion yeah. was it's going yeah. to kill it. Yeah, it's not because of sports betting. I mean, fantasy only helps sports betting and vice versa. The more sports betting I'm doing, the more likely I'm in the games that I feel like I'm knowledgeable on fantasy and the more fantasy I'm going to do. I think fantasy football has a much different audience than any, any other fantasy sport, too. That's true. I think you probably have people in your office here at Battleborn Injury Lawyers who are not betting. Right. But hey, you know, if they get to be in a football league and be casual and have some players to follow, they're going to be in it. Maybe yeah. a little bit of scratch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're not, gonna, they're not doing baseball. They can't do, eight, you know, 162 games a year and make it daily lineup changes. They can't do it. One more time in the bag. Stick so, your hand in there, Dave. We have a lot more to say on John Fisher. Uh, go read the story. It's, a, it's very off-putting. It's not a, hey, you know, we're going to kill in this market. We're really enthusiastic. It is kind of an you know excuse after excuse and the, the one that, like what immediately turns me off is early in the story john fisher talks about how much money he's going to lose in oakland this year and yep. anytime an owner says that even the poorest markets i'm like you're not rev sharing and tv money gives a lot 
two teams. And when you field a payroll that's $56 million, you're not losing $40 million. I don't like that the, the papers publish the number that he says. I lost $40 million. Like, okay, then show me. Like, let me verify that because they just make up numbers. They don't have to disclose the revenues anywhere. They make up numbers and they've been making, frankly, they've been making up numbers in Oakland for years. San Francisco Chronicle did a great expose on this last, well, six months ago about exactly how much money they were making and, and proving that they were not in the red.